welcome to Offwatch, a podcast by the Ocean Race. This week, I got a chance to talk to Peter Burling and Blair Toot, two of the biggest names in sailing at the moment. And I asked them about the last edition of the Ocean Race and their experiences on board Team Brunel and Mafre, also about sailing some of the coolest boats on the planet, plus how they reconcile with their legendary status. Thank you very much, guys. I know it is very, very, very early. Um, yeah, 6, 6 a.m. in uh, Auckland at the moment. So uh, understandably, you're uh, getting ready for a full day. Where is it? Whereabouts are you? Are you training today? Yeah, so we're in Auckland this morning at 6 a.m. We are actually at our boss of Live Ocean's house, the CEO of Live Ocean. We've got a board meeting in an hour. So that's how the uh, days are going to start. So we sit on, on those board meetings as founders of Live Ocean and then straight down to Team New Zealand after that, yeah, just to continue the, the development down there. So yeah, busy, busy day, pretty standard. I, I, I want to ask you about the Live Ocean thing in a minute, but before I do, I, it's incredible how much you guys managed to pack in. And when you kind of look back at your... Um, I mean, everyone will be familiar with all your winning streaks and, you know, eight, nine world championship titles and all the rest of it. You've gone from like one to the other to the other. And what I wanted to, like my first question really was, where where did the ocean race get on that horizon? Because you go from Rio 2016, that goes quite well for you. you. You know, you come back with a gold medal, well done. Then you go to Bermuda 2017, again, a good performance, come back with some nice silverware. Then pretty much you go straight into uh, the ocean race or the Volvo Ocean Race back then, and you go around the world. Did you get headhunted, or was it just a case of you like to keep your foot on the accelerator? You like to just go from one thing to to another thing. I mean, you know, Blair, you did it with Mafray. Did you call them? Did they call you? Yeah, I, I think it's something that we've um, you know tried to do over our careers. Is just you know keep pushing ourselves and, you know, that's the beauty about our sport is that there are lots of different types of it, uh, of discipline. So you want to challenge yourself in all the different disciplines. Um, for me personally, I'd always had a ambition to do the race ever since I was probably first started sailing back in the early 2000s. Um, so yeah, it'd been a big passion of mine. We had a bit of experience sort of just or taste of the race by being around the stopovers in 11, 12, and then 14, 15. Uh, and then in 14, well, both those times actually was with um, or Ikan and Javi, the Spanish teams really, um, through our connection to them through the 49er sailing. So had it there, sort of had jokingly said to Javi, give me, you know, give me a call, I'm always keen. And then, yeah, that, that call sort of came uh, just before we raced in, uh, in Bermuda for the Cup. So, yeah, it was it was really excited to join them. It was, a, it was a good opportunity joining a pretty established team. And, you know, Pete obviously will talk to his. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, Pete, in fairness, Maffrey was quite an established team and they had been doing things for a good while. Brunel, that you joined, I mean, that was quite a late decision. As it turned out, it was a formidable team. But what did it feel like jumping on that one? I mean, am I right in saying it was a bit last minute, kind of people coming together? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think the, the team was quite last minute, but, you know, for me, it was a little bit different. I kind of, you know, wanted to get home after the cup and, you know, enjoy that for a little bit <clears throat> and then kind of try and plan out the next little while. You know, I definitely think, you know, I quite enjoy being busy and probably it's the same, you know, taking on different challenges and, you know, always having a, you know, a fair bit going on. So you never, you know, bored for lack of a 
did away to school yet. But yeah, I think you know, I really enjoyed taking up that opportunity. You know, it was something that you know, we figured we could make everything work and, and manage to jump on it and do a lap of the globe. So that's pretty, um, you know, I suppose something that had you know, always been the back of your mind as a yachty that would be really exciting to, to be able to do an ocean race and, um, you know, to be able to get on and, and do that one as quite a, a young young uh, person is, um, yeah, something that was pretty cool. And, yeah, for me, I um, ended up reaching out to a couple of teams and, um, yeah, effectively, you know, the one at Brunel I thought was a, you know, really good offer. You know, I kind of sat um, opposite Bowie in the watch. Um, you know, we had KP who was, you know, incredible, incredibly experienced as well. So, you know, a couple of, you know, really experienced guys, but then, you know, a, a fair few kind of, young guys on board as well and, and girls for that, that matter. Um, so it was, you know, something that, you know, we had a, you know, a lot of work to do at the beginning of the race and, you know, it was pretty cool to be able to, you know, see a group, you know, come together, start actually putting together some pretty good performances by the end. Yeah, I mean, it did change as the race went on. I mean, you both kind of came to it from, you know, towards the end from different sides of the scoreboard. And I want to ask you about that experience in a minute, but you know, you both said that you learn a lot about yourself and you had to develop skills that maybe you, you didn't know that you had doing the race. You know, I, I think I'm right in saying that, that Blair's done maybe a few more miles before the start of the ocean race, you know. Uh, for you, Pete, what was, the, what was the thing you found, having had, you know, both of you, having had so much success, what was the thing that you found, oh, I'm going to need to get good at this and I'm going to need to get good at it quick? Yeah, well, I think there's the, the teamwork side of it. You know, it's something that, you know, when you're on, you know, an ocean race, there's effectively you're asleep half of the time almost. So, <laughs> you know, you've really got to be able to, you know, have, have a, a lot of trust and, you know, be able to pass on things that you've figured out or and, and learn off your teammates. So that's quite a different dynamic compared to uh, normal yachting in terms of how you interact and work with your team. Um, you know, and effectively that they know that they can wake you up whenever you need or you can wake them up whenever they need to. And, you know, also you have that dynamic of, you know, every now and then someone just gets screwed in the watch, whether it's, um, you know, through a couple of peels going through the middle of their watch or, you know, so trying to look after the people and make sure that they're as well rested as they can be, you know, was something that I think we started to do a pretty good job of at the end. Um, you know, generally there's always someone walking around a bit like a zombie that's, you know, hasn't had much sleep in the last day. So, you know, really trying to make sure you give them an extra hour, uh, you know, or little bits and pieces when you can and try and unload people when they're, when they're tired and load people up when they're, when they're ready to go. And, you know, I think it's something that, you know, just all those little details, uh, you know, really make a massive difference for the, the group coming together. And, um, you know, it's pretty, uh, yeah, I think all the teams do a pretty low amount of training. So, you know, for, to be able to train and learn and develop during the race was pretty cool. Yeah, it's interesting that everyone does talk about how much, you know, if you could restart the race with everything you know by the final leg, it would be a very different outcome. I mean, for you, Blair, obviously, Mafre was a bit of a different team. It was a different uh, sort of dynamic. One of the things I do hear a lot of Olympic sailors and dinghy sailors say when they come and do the race is they have to learn that lesson of, you know, it's a marathon and not a sprint, they kind of say, oh, I burnt myself out in the first couple of days. You know, what was your experience of being primarily that kind of sailing, all high octane, 100% all of the time? Did you find a good gear to get into the race? 
Yeah, well, I think it's certainly something you have to be aware of. I was lucky I've done some uh, longer races beforehand, so had that experience, and we did a, we did a bit more training before the race. And to be honest, the different leagues on the races throw different things at you. So the, the sprint leagues like um, League One and then the last couple of leagues are quite different because you, you do have to be on for the whole league, basically. So if that's, you know, I actually personally find those two, three, four-day leagues harder because you you can kind of see the internship or every increase or decrease in freeze you're, you're reacting to and, and doing a sale change or a tack or a jibe. So... Those leagues are a lot, a lot more challenging. I know the last league, would, you know, didn't sleep much at all. But even the, the first league of the race, the, um, that was, you know, pretty challenging too. But you know, the longer leagues, once you get into your routine and um, you can get people a bit more rested, and that's actually, yeah, I think you adapt and obviously you learn as you go. But uh, I think you know we did a pretty good job of that from the start. And and Pete, I mean, you you've both got a reputation for incredible amount of preparation and nailing your, you know, your boat handling, your skills around the race course. For someone like yourself in Team Brunel, I mean, let's be honest, the first couple of legs were pretty ropey. Um, what was what was the atmosphere like on board and what was it like in your mind going, wow, we've come into this a bit late and oh, I really feel like we could be doing with some extra time or was, was the belief always there unshakable? Yeah, well, I think you, one of the good things about the race last time when, you know, was you were in a one-designed boat, so effectively you knew that all you had to do was sail the boat better than, than other people. And, you know, I probably um, almost counter one of your comments you made back to, to Blair before as well, that, you know, you see you didn't have to be at 100% the whole time. Like, in these boats, you pretty much do have to be pushing it at 100% the whole time. And, you know, I think probably, you know, part of our issue in those first couple of leagues was that we weren't, pushing you know setups quite as hard as we we should have been in, in certain um, certain times and you know definitely um, you know the contrast of how we sailed the boat at the end to the beginning was was pretty stark and yeah I think a lot of that you know did come back down to those little details at times where you know how quick you could peel what conditions you could actually peel in you know how quick you could set up for jobs and outriggers and you know there's so many little finicky details of these boats that you know, you're pretty much developing slowly developing systems over eight months to so you can push the boat at, you know, 100% the whole time and get to 100%, you know, very, very quickly. So it's kind of, yeah, it'd be very interesting to go back and do, like like you said, that, that first leg again and see how much quicker you could do it. Because I'm, uh, <coughs> yeah, betting it'd be a fair, fair chunk. Yeah, because by the time, of course, we got onto that final leg into the Hague, I mean, it was it was an incredible race. Um, three boats, effectively tied. Um, for you, Blair, on board Mafre, it was basically you, Dongfong race team, that was going to be you know, one or the other for the first you know, few, few months. What did it feel like, rather than stretching out ahead, what did it feel like going, oh man, actually the other teams are kind of catching up with this? What was the atmosphere on board like when you realised it's not over, in fact, it's got harder? Sure, I never... I don't think we ever thought it was over. It's a, uh, you know, we got off to a pretty good start. Um, but you still, you know, when we got to Melbourne, you know, we'd done one double points lead, but you still had, how still two thirds or maybe even three quarters of the points on the table. So, uh, you know, we knew we got off to a good start, but we, you know, I think we, you know, where we probably let ourselves down was just didn't, you know, capitalize through the middle stages of the race on that um, and let other people get in. And obviously we had the, 
issues in the Southern Ocean, which, you know, really uh, hit us hard. And this, the, the second Southern Ocean League, when we couldn't push the boat at 100%, which is, which is pretty gutting. Uh, and then, you know, we made some um, bad decisions in the, the next double points leg, which, um, you know, so, you know, those two really, you know, if we look back at, you know, what we did badly, it was, it was those two two legs. And then towards the end of the race, we actually, you know, sailed really well again. So, yeah, it, it was, it was uh, you know, it was challenging sort of coming into the end. And once Brunel had caught us up, but it was also exciting for the race, I think. And, and it still didn't really change anything for us. We, you know, had to try and go put our best foot forward on that last leg. And, you know, we gave it a pretty good shot. But, but uh, yeah, it was, you know, what an awesome finish to, to the race uh, <laughs> for, for people watching. Not so uh, enjoyable for probably those of us doing it. Oh, it was, it was definitely from the spectator's point of view. It was fabulous. So thank you very much for that. Um, but you, 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 both, you both have a really strong reputation for being able to analyse and look back and be very kind of matter of fact about the sailing that you've done before and where you've got done wrong and where you've done right. Um, is there anything that you look back at the ocean race and you go, look, sailing aside, performance aside, wow, what, a, what an incredible day that was. What an incredible view, you know, to experience that moment. Because you do go to some places and see some things that very few people do. I mean, Pete, what, do you, have you walked away with anything where you're like, yeah, that was, that's a postcard to put away in my mind? Yeah, well, I think here for me, probably going around Cape Horn because, um, yeah, one of the, the really special moments of the race, you know, obviously an incredibly uh, tough league, not just in the, you know, weather sense, but probably you definitely had the lows of the race in that league with, uh, you know, the, the news of, of fish um, going overboard, which was, you know, incredibly, incredibly sad. Um, but yeah, then to, you know, be able to carry on and actually get back to land, you know, it's something that I think was, you know, probably one of our, our high points of the race, you know, we kind of all kind of pretty much figured that the best way to, to get back to land and get back to safety was to keep going and to <clears throat> get around the horn and try and, you know, do them proud. But, um, so yeah, to actually see land there and, you know, see the Chilean Navy and, yeah, probably the most iconic, uh, you know, landmark of the race was, you know, a pretty, uh, pretty incredible memory that I don't think I'll forget. And, you know, I think Blair spent a lot more time, mm-hmm. you know, trying to soak in the, the memory and fix a mainsail at Cape Horn than I did. Um, but, you know, we just carried on past and, yeah, had a little bit of rum and then, you know, carried on north into some more um, horrible conditions. But, you know, it's a pretty uh, special part of the race. Yeah, and something that very few people get to do. I mean, you guys, when you're out there on the race, you do spend a lot more time looking at just water from horizon to horizon, maybe with another you know, uh, ocean race boat, if you're lucky. I mean, because I know that, you know, recently, uh, last year, November, I think it was, you guys have founded this live ocean um, initiative to try and sort of accelerate ocean health in New Zealand. Was it kind of brewing in your mind there with some of the experiences that you had sort of, you know, in those remote places where you get to see this incredible canvas, was it a thought that kind of occurred to you then? Yeah. Well, I think we've both been passionate about the ocean since we're, since we're kids, really. We're very fortunate in New Zealand to grow up both of us right by the, by the ocean in different parts of New Zealand, myself right in the far north and Pete in the Bay of Plenty. But yeah, I think the whole way through our careers, we've sort of always, you know, 
looked at the ocean and thought about the ocean and more than just using it for our for our sport but you know i think it'd be fair to say that the ocean race did accelerate our thinking there and and you know when we came back and you know thought about those next steps like pete talked about before trying to plan what the next things were it was definitely trying to do more for the ocean we weren't happy with the direction it was heading you know in a negative way so we sort of came back and sort of said okay let's let's do more and, and for us to have the big worldwide sort of influence we thought the best way to do that was for new zealand to lead by example we have a beautiful ocean space here in new zealand a really massive ocean fourth largest in the world and uh you know, in a special part in the South Pacific. So, you know, we thought we want to, you know, sort of showcase that to the world and, and lead by example. But as we started getting into it more, it wasn't quite in, in the shape we thought it was, you know. So we have to first, you know, sort it out here before we do that. So, yeah, it's been an interesting journey since November or even since the race when we looked at doing it first and uh, got towards the launch. Uh, and, yeah, we're into it now. And, I mean, you've got a pretty... Yeah, you know, pretty powerful platform because you know you've you've been out there. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're pretty big names in New Zealand. You certainly are in the rest of the world. Um, you know, for for you, Pete, is it how much take up have you had? You know, have has it been? Is it something that's slowly building, or have you already been able to go? Yeah, you know, this is this is happening. We've already been able to you know, do some good. Yeah, well, it's uh, almost a how long's a bit of a string one as well. Um, you know, you definitely, it's been incredible to see what we've been able to achieve in this you know, few months we've been been up and running and, you know, definitely getting a lot of momentum on a lot of things. But, you know, the more you dive into these issues, the more you realise how much the ocean actually does for us on a, a day-to-day, you know, whether it's, you know, oxygen production or heat absorption, uh, probably the two big ones, you know, associated with climate that, that no one even, um, even considers that, you know, if it wasn't for the ocean would be, yeah, having some serious issues with how hot the planet was getting, um, you know, right now. But, you know, I think also linking it back to the race on your your previous question, you know, for me it was more around what we didn't see. Um, you know, we talk about to people that have gone around the globe in the past and, you know, you talk about the amount of whales you see, the amount of bird life, um, you know, tuna jumping, uh, you know, things like that. You know, I could count the amount of whales I saw on one hand, um, you know, there weren't very many albatross in the bottom of the Pacific. So, you know, was, we were definitely very passionate about, you know, our first project, you know, being a, an albatross related one. Um, you know, we've got a, yeah, New Zealand's probably one of the albatross capitals of the world with a lot of, you know, albatross species um, actually nesting in, in, you know, our sub-Antarctic islands. Um, so it was pretty, pretty amazing to be able to pick up that. But, you know, it's definitely, you know, one that you know, the ocean is this massive blind spot. You know, we, do look out on the surface and it is very hard to tell what is actually going on out there. And, you know, the more you talk to the science community, the more you kind of talk to people that have done things like, like the ocean race in the past. Um, you know, and you really actually get that baseline of how quickly things have shifted in the last kind of 50 odd years. So it's, um, you know, something that we felt like, you know, we didn't had to get into it. You know, we've obviously got a fair bit on at the moment, but you know, it felt like it was a you know, pretty important issue to, to, to get um to get behind and to, to try and get people aware and, and try and actually you know create some change and something that clearly you're both passionate about and with so many of your projects that you do together I mean I know in the ocean race obviously you're on different boats you know racing against each other but so many of your results you share is it is it a happy accident 
that you do so much of these things together? Or is it a case of, if I'm going to do this, I need my right-hand man with me? I mean, Blair, if you get the call, do you say, I'm coming, but you you should give uh, you know Pete a call. He, he's pretty good too. Yeah, I think for the most part, it's because we're you know passionate about it and pretty driven to try and achieve things. And you know, with the live ocean stuff, we really want to see change in the ocean space. So yeah, I think the point before that the ocean race is probably the one thing in the last twelve years, or one of a, a handful, but definitely the biggest thing we haven't done together. Um, you know, so that was interesting. I think we both quite enjoyed it in the at the you know stages of our lives we're at. We uh, went to some pretty cool cities around the world, and um, you know, I think the difference for us when we we're at those cities was that we actually you know just hung out as as mates and and enjoyed it. Went surfing at different places, hiking or whatever it was. Had had some good times, and because we weren't, you couldn't talk about the racing side of it because we were <laughs> competing against each other. It was kind of that was probably a um, you know just yeah. a, a fresh change for us but uh yeah i think you know definitely had a pretty cool journey um you know since we started out when Pete was what 17 or something i was 18 or 19 and you know that's taken us some you know great different parts of the world and like talked about before the ocean race took some place that ne- some people never been so yeah you're grateful for your journey but you're also looking to head to what what you can do next and you know keep trying to achieve and for us to take New Zealand to the world, yeah. Because you, you've both been doing this, you know, you've both had a New Zealand flag on your back for, for a good while. And, and it's interesting to hear you say that it was almost a pleasant change of gears when you were doing the ocean race because you didn't, you couldn't talk about the race. I mean, Pete, are you, um, is it a partnership between the two of you that works really well because you are the same? You both want to discuss the technical for hours afterwards or is it a good partnership because... Well, one of you's, you know, one way and one of you's the other way and you kind of temper the passion and the and the, and the the commitment quite nicely. Um, yeah, well, I definitely think we're both quite different people, but it's um, probably both share some of the passions, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I think we both, you know, really enjoyed sailing, you know, being out on the ocean and, um, you know, also enjoyed getting below the ocean and having... Um, yeah, bit of diving, surfing, kind of a lot of what New Zealand has um, to offer in terms of an outdoorsy, um, you know, sense. And you know, I think we're both very driven people as well. You know, we quite enjoy, you know, taking on a challenge and you know, having a a kind of a, a decent goal to aim at. So it's um, you know, something that you know we've kind of probably gone through a lot of uh, you know experiences together um, you know, over the past you know, few years as well. So. No, it's, it's um, yeah, obviously done a lot of sailing with, with Blair, so it's, uh, yeah, we've got a little bit to come. Yeah. It's like asking a question to tell a little bit about yourself when you ask that. It's quite hard. We've spent, you know, so much time together and, um, you know, pretty much any time, you know, it's all, so it feels like you're kind of asking, you know, tell, on an interview, tell us about yourself and how you are when you ask one of us how the other, you know, how the other person is or how we sort of operate together. No, I, I completely understand that, and I can I can totally respect why that's a little hard and, and potentially a little bit prying. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to double down on that, and then you can tell me to to to, to bugger off. Um, because one of the things, as I was sort of alluding to before, is like your temperament. It's so you know you're 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 reputed to have this incredible ability to just push it out, 
and just focus on. And I'm thinking back to like those amazing America's Cup press conferences where, you know, Peters the skipper's got to get wheeled up there and got to fire all these questions. You have this beautiful line, well, for ourselves, you know, we've done really well, but there's more to do. We're working pretty hard. And every single answer was always that. You know, Blair, just, you know, how much of what we see Pete put in front of the camera, how much of that is the real him? How much of it is just a sort of a tactical mental block? No, yeah, that was Pete for sure. That was, I mean, yeah, that was people asking questions and yeah, I guess he was just answering in an honest way and, um, you know, he did a good job for the for the team there in those press conferences. Uh, you know, I think we were quite lucky or, you know, for me personally, those whole America's Cup experience is quite different than any of the Olympic stuff because it was kind of, Pete sort of faced all that and had all the, you know, the media did a great job with the press conferences. And then for the rest of us team was actually, it was, you know, we're basically next to no, um, you know, pressure from that side of it, which was quite a, a change for me from the Olympics and all the previous couple of Olympics. So you know, my role after the, you know, racing was more around, you know, obviously getting into make sure all the other boys are all good on the boat and then, you know, debriefing well and stuff like that. But Pete did a great job that side of it for us uh, but yeah that was awesome okay so so pete you've done a great job that's what blair says and i think everybody was looking at that and you go oh you know great and we all know that all young sailors who are coming up from multiple different nationalities get media training how do you deal with the pressure do you try and turn it into a it's good for my headspace just to sort of not really engage too much or is it a case of i'm gonna mess with the other person's Headspace, and I'm kind of alluding to something you did here in the America's Cup, where Jimmy Spithill was being interviewed by someone, and you took a lovely moment to walk behind him. And if I've got my days and times right, I think you were you, you just won the first two races, and I think you gave a V sign as you walked past him in, in, in behind in an interview. Is that just naturally you, or is a little bit of it kind of just messing with the other guy? No, well, uh, I think that's more just naturally me. You know, it's just you got to take a bit of lightheartedness to these these things. Um, you know, half the questions you get asked in an America's Cup press conference, you can't really answer anyway because you're giving too much away. <laughs> so you're either yeah you know, answering them short or kind of answering them in a way that doesn't really give much away anyway. So it's um, yeah, the boats are so complicated and technical that. Yeah, um, if you answered everything in full, you we just couldn't. You'd be there for ten hours. <laughs> yeah, you'd be there for too long. Um, so, but yeah, you know, I think Jimmy's a great guy, great competitor as well. So it's going to be um, yeah, pretty exciting to to race race him again. And um, yeah, a lot of the people that were at the, the front of the, the Americas Cup um, last time round are, are just arriving back in Auckland this time. So uh, definitely that excitement's kind of of coming up, um, but. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's having a bit of fun, really. Um, you know, I'm just trying to let the performance on the water do the talking rather than, uh, yeah, in, in the press conferences. Because there is this sort of thing that um, everybody in the media, you know, love to play up the rivalry. This is it, you know, oh, two people, they're going to lock horns, they're going to go for it. But the truth is, actually, a lot of these people you have grown up with and you have sort of, maybe traded podiums with, but also you've gone training with. And the one that comes to mind for me is uh, Nathan uh, Altridge from Australia. 
um, Ian Jensen as well, you know, those guys obviously on the podium for the Olympics, they get gold, you get silver, you get gold, they get silver. And it would appear for people looking in, wow, they must, I mean, they must just be like daggers and wow. But actually in the sailing world, yeah, you guys train together, you work together, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, a camaraderie and a kind of friendship there that I, th I don't think we really appreciate. Uh, I mean, Blair, what's, what's your sort of take on that? Well, I think our relationship with Nathan Googs, you know, was pretty special. And we, you know, we, when was it, about 2010, we started training with them. So two years out from the London Olympics, they sort of took us on as training partners. We probably got 17th of the world champs, I think. Um, so we're, you know, quite far off, not necessarily a challenge for them at that stage for their gold medal hopes, but, you know, good enough to sort of help them to improve. Uh, we sort of looked at it in a different light and sort of, sort of go for the best guys and try and learn and as much as we can from them. So, you know, we improved a heck of a lot over those couple of years. Uh, but that, you know, that meant training a lot together and, you know, obviously competing against each other. So grow a lot of respect and friendship through that. And then, yeah, went on to, um, for them to win the gold medal and us to get the silver medal. And then, uh, yeah, I think through the next campaign, we didn't have quite as much to do with them because they were obviously involved with Artemis and we were, uh, you know, just joined Team New Zealand. But yeah, to then carry that on to the into the America's Cup was you know pretty cool. And some of that those races versus Artemis in the in the Cup were probably you know one of the, the Challenger series were probably some of our our best ones. And that was uh, it was great to lock with those guys again. And when you're on the water, it's all you know you want to get one over them for sure. But then it's uh, you've got that respect afterwards, and that's the same with a lot of people uh, you know we're racing against. Yeah, completely. And I, I can imagine. Well, I've seen it. I, this this sort of myth that that follows you guys and loads of other athletes from a variety of different sports. I mean, let, let's try and sort of dispel that a little bit. So, you know, Pete, obviously you and Blair, um, friends, partners, but also two human beings. And you, you like everybody I know, put out this, this image of, you know, we're strong where we're strong, we're invincible where we're invincible. And, you know, you've got the results to back it up. But surely you also have flaws like anybody else. So a couple of quick, questions then i mean when was the last time that you guys had a you know like when was the last time either of you lost your temper with each other on the boat when was the last time you had an argument on the boat pete well, i think it's a hard one to really describe but the um it'd be the touch rugby field would be the last time yeah, <laughs> we're both pretty competitive to be but it's something that you know a lot of people um you've got to be able to challenge the other one and yeah, actually, that's a big part of learning, you know, and you can't be, um, you know, I think a lot of people are a lot very passive in that regard. You know, you've got to be able to you know, have a good discussion and, you know, get to the bottom of something, actually improve. Um, so it's something that, yeah, but I don't think we ever really have big arguments on the boat, but we're not afraid of, you know, saying when something's happened or when we don't think something's working or, you know, having a good discussion about something and actually trying to get to a good, um, good outcome if that makes sense but uh, yeah probably not blessed you know we're definitely uh, pretty competitive when it comes to other things and you know touch fields uh, yeah we've got some good battles on that occasionally hopefully we get out of this um, <coughs> our uh, 10 people match together kind of rules in New Zealand uh, COVID at the moment so we get back into it and, and Blair have you ever have you guys ever done that wonderful thing that so many of us have done where you know you've, you've rounded the final mark and you've gone yes one more lap 
uh, to go before you go to the finish, whereas everyone else goes to the finish line and beats you. Have you ever have you ever missed the finish line or you know those classic mistakes that we all make? Just your classic. Yeah, we have done that at some stage, not for a while. We used to do like in, before the London Olympics, we used to do quite a lot of like um, four lap races, so it was a little bit harder to count. Uh, but <laughs> no, not for a not for a while. But that would be you know, it's not like that's one person's responsibility or the other, you know, anyway. And if, and I think to Pete's point before, you kind of, as soon as you set a goal, you're both going towards that goal and you, you know, or you, you both want the same thing. So if there's a, if someone brings something up and should, you know, rightly so should be able to challenge the other person, it's because they, you know, think that that's going to be, a, you know, enable you to get to your goal better. So I think we sort of both approach things like that and just trying to improve as people and as sailors the whole Whole time and then um, that enables you I think to take that sort of uh, not it's not criticism it's just uh, you know advice or whatever it is on and then and then, and then hopefully improve and, and get there and, and uh, Pete do you, I mean with everything that you guys do and, and you've got to appreciate the fact I'm sure you do that the boats that you guys have sailed on are a lot of people's dream boats you know oh my god I'd love to be on that boat once before I die Pete, do you ever get the chance to sort of, you know, turn to Blair and just be like, yeah, this is pretty, you know, racing aside, training aside, this is pretty good. This this is a good, this is a good day on the water. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, um, yeah, we're definitely pretty lucky in that regard, especially with the, the cup boat of the month. Um, you know, it's pretty incredible to see the development and just the, the performance numbers that are, that are actually, you know, happening out there and, you know, not just on our boat, on, um, you know, the other boats uh, as well. Um, you know, American Magic's in New Zealand now. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Team UK will be down here pretty soon. They've got a lot of people on the ground, Prada's, you know, in the process of shipping, so they're not too far away as well. So, yeah, you know, it's definitely, um, yeah, been a pretty incredible uh, boat to, to develop and, you know, to try and have, get that concept from, from nothing and, you know, been some pretty special moments. Um, yeah, probably not just with Blair. You know, we've got some, you know, pretty other good friends on, on board that boat that we've been through through a lot with as well. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, pretty cool to be able to, you know, go on a journey like that with, uh, you know, pretty uh, good group of mates. So, you know, it's something that, you know, you definitely feel like we're pretty lucky, especially, you know, given the current climate where, you know, a lot of, you know, sporting events aren't happening, um, you know, things like that. So for us, it's been you know, a pretty <clears throat> interesting change to you know go from you know, probably doing the Olympics um, you know, a month ago to jumping back into more having kind of a, a slow progressive build up for the America's Cup and have the, the calendar shuffled a little bit. So it's um, yeah, but it's been pretty cool to you know, be able to spend a bit of time at home, you know, put a bit more time into live ocean, which we're you know, incredibly passionate about and you know, spend a, a few more days out on the water. You know, um, with our, our America's Cup team and yeah, really push the development on that boat. Uh, I'm sure there's, well, there's loads that I'd like to ask about the boat and I'm absolutely positive you can't give me answers to any of them. So Blair, I'll just ask you this. Yeah, he just, he already, he already gave you the precursor on that. He told you already. <laughs> but, I, I, but the, the problem is, is the more you say that, the more it makes me more curious. But I know I'm not going to get anywhere, so I won't, I won't waste the time. But Blair, let me just ask you this. The new boat, with everything you've done, I mean, you've been down to the Southern Ocean, you've done all, all that, but on these foils, hurtling along, has that boat ever scared you guys? Yeah, I guess the word scares, 
you know, quite strong. I think you, you definitely got respect and uh, and appreciation. You know what the consequences are um, if it doesn't go doesn't go well or you don't control it well. So I think having that understanding and not letting that get too far away from you when you are pushing hard is, is pretty key because, you know, you, you, they are, there are big loads on things. The boats are going fast. Um, you've got, you know, well, us, there's 11 of us on board the boat. So you got to, uh, and all the, you know, <laughs> team at, on shore and the designers that have put a lot of effort into it. So you have to, you have to have respect and, and that sort of, appreciation of how close the edge you're pushing but you you can't let that hold you back I don't think because otherwise you're not going to push the development and push the boat hard enough so it's kind of a fine line and in the southern ocean it's the same with you know obviously the boats probably weren't you know they're obviously not as far up the um, sort of innovation uh, as these boats are but you're in nature more you know so you're you're far away from land so there's there's risks and that's slightly they're different, um, but yeah, you, in, the, in the Southern Ocean, you've got to understand that and have that same sort of respect of, of what you're dealing with as, as well. It's interesting that you bring up the Southern Ocean because, of course, for the next uh, edition, we've got the 65 and we're going to have the Amoka. I know the foils very different to what you guys are doing with your cut boats, you know, fully foiling. The Amoka is kind of foil assisted. Um, and we do get those kind of videos that almost lie to us that the boat is kind of flying, but, you know, realistically it's working in a different way. I mean, one of the things that the sailors are always wondering, well, certainly I am, what the hell happens when you take this thing into the Southern Ocean? You guys have been there. I mean, Pete, if if I gave you an Amoka with one of these foils, uh, uh, you know, as somebody that knows a lot about foils, Moth World Champion, what the hell are these things going to be like? And could you imagine doing that yourself? Yeah, well, I think you're probably better off asking someone that's done a few crossings in uh, <coughs> the Amokas, but, you know, from you know, chatting to Kyle a little bit, um, sounds like the motion's pretty random and pretty uh, violent at times. <laughs> yeah, I think you're definitely pretty happy to be downstairs under a cabin. Um, you know, but, yeah, you're definitely going, the speeds are going up drastically compared to what they, they were last time in the 65. Um, yeah, I think that's something that's, yeah, pretty interesting. Um, now, be from our side, probably dampen down the motion. You know, a lot of the falling boats we sail on have have a T rudder, so you've got that that bit of stability. Um, you know, where the Amoka doesn't really, and you're relying on all the stability to come from the foil at the front <coughs> and the hull. And the hull. <laughs> so you kind of end up with these big, like slamming kind of random motions. Uh, but <coughs> yeah, they're definitely yeah, pretty cool boats and. Yeah, I think it's been amazing to see the journey those boats have gone on in the last little while as well. Um, obviously, that rule's been out for a very long time, but you know, to see how much quicker and <clears throat> how differently people are sailing them now to probably they were, you know, even when the last um, BD Globe was, um, you know, not, not too long ago. So you know, it's um, been a pretty interesting time to be a yachty, I think, um, you know, especially in the development side of the sport, just seeing how, you know, quickly things are evolving, how, um, yeah, quickly people are figuring out how to make boats go, go, go a lot quicker. And, you know, it's um, something that it'll be interesting to see where it goes over the next couple of years. You know, you, you guys are doing a lot that overlaps. You know, you've got the, uh, the AC, you've got the Tokyo Olympics. I wonder with the delay to the Tokyo Olympics, um, does that 
is that something that how mapped out was your approach to Tokyo? Were you there? Were you ready to sort of, you know, peak, as they say, in that that Tokyo time? And now it's pushed the other time. It's like, oh, that's good for the cup. Or is it a case of every single time you're going out on the America's Cup boat, you're thinking, oh, we really need to keep our 49er skills on the boil and, you know, go out in the afternoon. I mean, how difficult is it now juggling two things like that? Yeah, I think it is. Well, it's certainly been a big shift on the calendar, that's for sure. Uh, for us, we like you said before, we were actually pretty geared up for this year. Uh, you know, we'd done the world champs here in Auckland in, in December, back that went up in, in Geelong in, in February, and we had a, you know, a good few months planned um, to, to peak in Tokyo, but pretty early on in the, in the whole in COVID, I think we realized that it was probably going to get shifted. And, you know, at that stage, we just sort of shifted our minds into, okay, we're going to, you know, this, what's what we're going to have to try and win is going to be different than what it what it was going to do and you know i don't think we hung on for it too long pretty quickly we just shifted our mindset and um you know it's an exciting challenge we've got you know deal with now instead of being you know sort of us doing america's cup and olympics straight for for this year we've you know a lot more time into the the cup now uh and then we're going to hit the 49 are pretty hard next year so yeah it's, it's a good challenge and you know we're still right get up for it don't don't um, think that's not the case for a second we're you know very driven to try and win a, another gold medal for our country um so yeah we're just excited by the new challenge i think well i'm, I'm very conscious of the time guys because i've got to let you go in a minute i know you've got a full day planned but ju- just finally one quick question then um pete you know a, a lot of people i think uh look at olympic sailors professional sailors certainly people that get to sail on some really cool boats and, you know, we're pretty jealous. It's so amazing. You get to do all this, you get to do all that. I'm sure there's a lot of hard work that goes on and sometimes it can be a real grind. Um, just briefly, is what you do with the Ocean Race, America's Cup, Olympics and everything, does it feel like a grind or does it just feel like, well, this is, this is pretty good? <laughs> um, yeah, we definitely enjoy it. You know, it's something that... Yeah, I think one of the keys to doing well in our sport is to, you know, really enjoy what you do and, you know, try and make the most of it. Um, you know, it's probably not quite the same as what a lot of people think it is. You know, definitely a lot of our, a lot of my role on the, the cup side is, you know, trying to make sure we're taking the right amount of risk in a lot of areas, um, you know, and really making sure we keep the loads in check and keep the boat in one piece. Um, so it's... Yeah, something that, and and there are so many people on that team that have a, a big influence on the outcome. So it's not like, um, you know, you're just wheeling your 49er down to the the boat ramp and going for a sail. You know, it's kind of you know, for us in a cup environment. Every time you go sailing, there's probably I don't know 60 people out on the water. Um, maybe not 60, 40 probably. Yeah, 40, maybe well, yeah, 40. Still, still more than two um, either way. <laughs> Yeah, so it's and and a lot of those people have an influence on it. You know, we've got you know eleven people on the boat, and you know a few other engineers, people monitoring loads, and some people monitoring from back into base. So now it's um yeah, I think the one thing we enjoy about you know sailing at the moment though is that that diversity. Uh, you know, whether it's going for a sail in a dinghy or you know going out for a you know foil on you know a hand wheeling kind of setup or you know, whatever, you know, it's kind of, you know, there's so many really cool um, ways of being able to get out there at the moment and, and you have a lot of fun, but um, yeah, 
you know, everything's not uh, comes with a lot of hard work as well. So, yeah, I think, yeah, you really get the enjoyment out of it for, you know, once you've actually put in the hard work. I'm sure I couldn't put in as much hard work as you guys do, but nevertheless, I'm still jealous. Um, thank you very much, guys. I know you've got a full day planned. Um, all the best with uh, Live Ocean, all the best with the America's Cup. Of course, the 49er again in Tokyo and everything else that we're going to be seeing you guys doing. Thanks very much for today. Thanks for having us on. Cheers, Mel. Thanks, Mel.